sure. So I'm okay. 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 Yeah, okay. I'm All good. right. Gotcha. All right. I'm speaking to David Wan, who, as you can tell, well, I don't know if anybody knows this, has my last name. So he's my relative, but he's also a financial professional, works at Development Map of Jamaica. He has expertise in wealth banking and insurance for many, many years. He has advised me countless times. And I, in as much as this is more health and wellness related, typically, this is, let's call this a special episode. So I thank David for indulging me because it's actually late at night. So even though this is pre-recorded, not very late, but late-ish. And so I thank you, David, and I thank you for being here once again. You're welcome. You're welcome. So I... I think we, we need to start with some current events in as much as I've been trying to avoid this topic for the last day or two. So something recently happened with one of our prominent Jamaicans at a financial institution where some of his funds went missing, as you say, in both. Yes. And there was a lot of outcry from, I think, other stockbrokers. And I remember your comments on the situation in general, and they were saying that there's no need to worry about investing your money. And in these sorts of institutions, and so I, I, I just wanted your take, your comment on the situation in general, and that statement as well. Sure, sure. The reports on stocks and securities, you know, there's still a lot to be uncovered, but it says something to the effect: money is missing from somebody's account. That could have several meanings. One of them is fraud, which I've seen some information to indicate it could be uh, fraudulently moved out of a customer's account. That's one scenario. But there are other scenarios, such as if a customer puts money into an investment house and they put the money into some very risky instruments and those instruments lose their value, that's another scenario where, where you put someone's money into something very risky that they didn't authorize and the money is gone because the investment is worthless. That's another scenario, which is not fraud, a different kind of loss. So it seems like it is fraud at that particular brokerage house. Now, the regulators are the ones who go into these investment houses at least annually to my, when I was in the business and they would inspect your controls, inspect things that you should be doing so that you can have some indication whether there's there's possibilities of fraud or abuse of money or whatever it is. So each company is supposed to be under the supervision of the Financial Services Commission. Now, the banks, like the commercial banks, are supervised by Bank of Jamaica, whereas all of the other kinds of financial institutions, life insurance, brokerage houses, pension fund managers, are supervised by the Financial Service Commission, which is a separate body. So I think the system is relatively safe. I don't think it's something that is widespread. And I think it's confined to, you know, very few institutions that may face this kind of risk. But it, it's it's um, it's a possibility it can happen. And it would tend to happen in smaller companies which don't have the level of resources as the big companies to put in fancy control, monitoring, tracking systems, automated systems as the small companies so i think that's you know more is to come out of it so we are awaiting further information so uh, a question that came to that this is my only follow-up with this if those funds are in fact gone for lack of better words or because based on information one of the articles in the paper that it was spent mm -hmm. evidently that money is insured so if I go to uh, that, that's really, somebody asked me this, and I say, I really don't know. So that's um, Well, we have to unpack that a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
the savings accounts in commercial banks and building societies are insured up to, I think it's now a million dollars per account by the Jamaica Deposit Insurance Corporation. But that's only the commercial banks and building societies. So everyone else, there is no similar insurance for that. The stock exchange has some level of insurance for activities like those, as I recall. I can't remember the limits, whether it it would cover the value of the stock or so on. But the stock exchange is the only other institution that has something similar to the Jamaica Deposit Insurance Corporation. And I don't think it's as um, generous as the Jamaica Deposit Insurance Corporation. But the other houses, like the brokerage and investment houses, there is no insurance for the customers' funds, similar to the JDIC. You know, there's none. And as a matter of fact, Many customers, when they go to a, a brokerage house, that's not a bank, and you're opening an account, you sign a document as part of the account opening that says that something to the effect your funds are not insured. So you need to be very you know, wary of what you're putting your money into because you can lose your money. Like a stock. If you buy a stock, it can go down. You can lose half of your money. You, know, you can lose all your money in a stock if you buy it at the wrong time. So it's buyer beware from most of the other institutions. Yeah. Okay. Well, so thank you for shedding light on that because that sounds like the only course will be in the courts. So yeah, that's right. And I mean, if it's fraud, you could have recourse in the courts. If the money was put into an investment that lost tremendous amount of value, um, it's more questionable that you'd have a case in court because you'd probably have signed a document to say that you understand that your investment may re- be reduced or it may go down and you lose your money at the time you open the account, generally. Yeah, and I think we need to just say that this is the 13th of January that we're recording this, and this is the information we have up to this point. And days yeah. ago, this was uncovered, and this is why I just asked David about this. Mm-hmm. You said something interesting, David, about stocks, and I think it's a good way to start what I really am. Mean, one of the things I'm very interested in, for example, somebody my age, I'm in my, you know, although I look so young, I'm actually 48, and I know I have colleagues in my profession and others that literally have not really started getting, getting the ball rolling, thinking about the end of work, thinking of how they want to invest. And now it's all of this with the advent of social media, which is so wonderful. All of these wonderful people fit to go to YouTube and you watch anything in finance. These guys claiming that they know to manage stocks, claiming out they, they need to, they can take your money and help you and train you. And mm-hmm. we have these wonderful apps. There's one called Robinhood that was under some scrutiny recently. Yeah. How do you advise? people or how do you how you if you could articulate how you think about investing at say somebody at my age or any age for that matter okay good i think one of the most important things is to be somewhat knowledgeable in the things that you are investing in you know so for example if you're buying a stock that's in a bank it's good if you understand you know roughly how a bank makes money so that you can you can read their annual report and determine if, if if the bank seems to be on a good track or not so good. You know, I mean, nobody can, no, not everyone can be an expert in everything. But there are some some. It, it's good if you know a little about how. Say, let's take um, a company like a Pan Jamaican company that primarily owns a lot of office buildings that they rent and they develop real estate. Um, it's, uh, if you're going to invest in a company like that, it'd be good to read their annual report just to understand, you know, really how they make money, which is, which is, um, you know, good that you understand. So you can make some judgment as to whether, you know, it it looks like a decent investment from your own perspective. Of course, 
you'll be able to get investment advice from investment professionals. But that's the first thing. Have a little, try to have a little knowledge in the things that you're investing in. You know, not be an expert, but some knowledge. The other thing is, I would say, the younger you start to invest, the better it is, because the more time you have on your side before you reach to retirement, is the better chance you have to make larger gains. You know, it's it's very unusual to make investments, and in the first five years, for example, to make outsized gains on things that are also safe. So, for example, the three main types of investments here in Jamaica available to us are the, the fixed income, which is like a bank deposit, or a what they call a fixed interest security from a bank or a brokerage house that earns you a fixed amount of interest on a fixed principal over a certain time. That's one category. Second category is real estate. And you could participate in that in two different ways. You could buy your own property or you could invest in a fund that's offered by a bank or a brokerage house that takes money from many customers, puts it in a pool, and invests in larger pieces of real estate. And you would own a share of that pool so that it would be like a, called a unit trust or an investment fund. That's a, another popular way of investing. And then the other one, which is, you know, can give you good returns over a period of time, but is also riskier in that if you if you buy it at the wrong time, it could decrease in value. Is stocks. So the fixed income, the real estate, and the stocks are the three main categories of investments. And on top of that, you can also divide it into currency. So you could have Jamaican dollars as you could have US dollars. And I guess one of the main things is, is diversification. Don't put 100% of all you're going, going to invest into any one of those categories. I, I would suggest you know allocating something to each of those categories than trying to do it all in one. I think that's one of the diversification. So if one area goes bad, chances are not that the other two won't be bad. So you could have some <clears throat> some level of <clears throat> hedging because one of them may not perform so well and it protects you that way. Now, having said that though, the two best means of attaining, you know, good returns on your money have historically been stocks or real estate. The fixed income is very, tends to be very secure, you know, exactly what you're getting. But over time, that tends not to keep up with inflation. So what I told many of my clients, you know, when I was running brokerage houses, I think you should keep the fixed income to a level that gives you the cushion and the accessibility to reach for that money in an emergency. So you should keep that relatively small. Try to estimate how much would I need in cash to say, continue my living expenses for six months if I had an emergency, suppose I met in an accident and broke both my legs, couldn't work anymore temporarily, you would want to access that liquid part of your investment portfolio. The liquid part being the one in the fixed interest, because even if you have to break the, the fixed income in a bank before the maturity period, you would typically get back your principal without forfeiting, um, sorry, you might forfeit some of your interest in a fixed deposit if you cash it early, but you typically would still have your principal intact. So that that portion, um, sometimes you can say it's six months of living expenses or 
you know, 15% of the total investable money that you have just to have that cushion for emergencies. Because that portion is not really a wealth building tool. It's for safety, emergencies, etc. Then I would also allocate some to real estate and to stocks. No, the real estate, the best first way to get into it, of course, is to buy your own house mm -hmm. and live in it. And if you want to buy another one for investment purposes and have it rented to somebody else, that's also good. Um, and you can, as I said, you can also buy into funds from these banks and brokerage houses that pool investors' money and invest into real estate, commercial offices, um, high-end houses, high-end apartments, and earn income and share it back with all the participants. That's the other way. And then stocks. I think the younger you are, you know, the, the more you should allocate to stocks because it can give you much better return over the long haul compared to the fixed income, as well as even the real estate. You know, real estate is a slow, steady earner. Uh, whereas a stock could go grow very rapidly if the underlying company is really expanding its profits at a healthy rate. So the, the, the market price of a stock in general is driven by the profitability of the companies. You know, there are other things like level of interest rates, but if you just hold on those for the time being, the value of a stock is driven by the earnings of the company. So if the earnings of a company keeps growing, there's a great chance that the stock is going to keep growing in value. And that's where you can make the outsized returns. You know, if you pick the company that really has strong earnings over a sustained period, that stock is going to be a performer. And then the other important element, Ryan, Capital gains are not taxed in Jamaica. So if you own a house and if you own some stocks over a five, 10 year period and they've appreciated quite a bit and then you sell those and you realize the cash gain, there's no tax on that. Whereas all the money you earn in terms of payroll is taxed at 25%. So that's another good reason to invest in stocks and real estate. The fixed income, which I mentioned er uh, earlier, as you know, I view it more as that's my emergency fund in case I have an emergency. All the interest you earn on fixed deposits, on interest-bearing instruments like government debt, government of Jamaica debt, is taxed at 25% right up front. Every $100 you earn, you take out $25. Whereas on the stocks and the real estate, the capital gains you make is not taxable as an individual. So that's the advice I would give. You know, diversify your what you have to invest a little bit. Don't put it all in one. And also try to minimize the amount of cash you're holding. Don't, don't hold, you know, 50% of your investable dollars in cash because that rate of return you're going to get is going to be probably below inflation. Yes, so. I, 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 there's so much that I want to ask you about in what you just said. And in fact, I, I remember watching someone, I think it was, it could be... Warren Buffett who said that the compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. You know, if you start yes. early enough and it keeps rolling, right. you will really surprise yourself. And in fact, there is um, a famous story. I think there is a woman who was a janitor who had ended up a multimillionaire. She worked uh -huh. a janitor job. And it's, uh, I think it's Tony Robbins likes to tell this story. And in fact, she gave away all that money. She enjoyed yes. doing a job. And it's a really wonderful story. And and in, in even in Little Jamaica here, I find that I had, well, this individual was working in Barbados, a colleague of mine who's a doctor, and she and her husband, I believe, put their funds in a, a bank because I, I think it was around the time of pandemic, too, you know, David. Oh, yeah. And they were just, you know, holding it there, just 
and or whatever the realization was there for a while and then because the banking fees with the banking fees and inflation they yes. ended up actually losing so <laughs> our comment was if you if you want to lose money put it in the bank i mean you should say facetiously, right. but i mean it's a real take home for me and that, that is something that i think we all need to look at when i you do anything transferring money is very popular now even myself, I, I, I tend to use that RTGS. So you send yes. it. And um, NCB is my main bank, and they are going to charge me $200 to send it to BNS. And yes. so these things, which I've been complaining about, but you know, it, it, it's a reality. The bank has to, and that's not going to change. So these are reasons that. I'm just wondering if, well, I, I suppose I'll ask you this after, if there's another vehicle to hold your money other than a bank. I don't ever think <laughs> that, that exists. Because you mean to hold, hold, um, so, to hold that, liquid that same, and cash. The liquid cash, other than putting it on your mattress, which... Uh, no, that's not advisable. You might as well take the small interest from the bank right. rather than the cash under the mattress because you'll definitely lose purchasing power doing that. Yes, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, that's... There's not, in other words, you're looking for safety for that little pool of money that you want for emergency purposes. And, you know, having a fixed interest uh, deposit is the best way to do it. Because if you put that into stocks, then, you know, you can lose money. The whole idea is an emergency fund. But you don't want a big, big emergency fund. You want a, a reasonable size. Yes. But if I, if I can just go back to one thing, right, which I think is very important. Yes. In this, you say, advising someone who wants to invest money, you know, at whatever age. Yeah. One of the most powerful ways to, to get good returns on your money is to try to get your investment money into an investment without that money being taxed with income tax. So... One of the only ways in Jamaica is if you're a part of a pension scheme at the place where you work, and if you're self-employed, which I'm assuming a lot of your audience might be self-employed, one of the only ways to do that is to join an approved retirement scheme that's run by <clears throat> companies like Sajikor and others like that. But the reason that's very important if you think about it this way, if you have $100 coming to you and it goes through the payroll, you lose $25. That means you get $75. And if you take that $75 and try to invest it, the first hurdle you're going to have to cross is that to earn the $25 that you lost to taxation, on that $75 base is going to take at least four or five years just to get back the $25 to get to 100. So, and if you have that into the approved retirement scheme, your $100 is not taxed and it starts working for you immediately. So getting money into your investment portfolio without being taxed by payroll tax is a very good way to go. And the differences are significant over a five-year period. Starting with $100 into an investment approved retirement scheme versus 75 that you took, you know, into your pocket and put into an investment. So I think you can do 20% of your income into this approved retirement scheme. So if you can manage that, I would recommend you do that. And then just be, watch what your fund manager does with your money. In other words, the ARS manager, they'll give you a disclosure that says, we put your money into Grace Kennedy stock, for example. So you just want to know what they're doing to get a statement. But I think you'll be very much ahead of the game the more you can get to invest before the tax man gets to it. That sounds like wonderful advice. Um, one of the other things you had said in terms of which, and this circle 
They talk about this circle of competence, and there's a company called Apex X-ray. I think very well known. They do a lot of X-rays, and they just did their it's IPO. IPO document. Right, they just did their IPO, and in fact, they put it to us. They put it to me and others. And well, that I was quite interested in because for the same reason I mentioned that actually this is something I actually know about that. Yeah. This company has been very, very wonderful. Actually, some of the individuals used to teach me. And mm -hmm. I don't see them going anywhere. Now, what I was unsure of is some of, I think the term they use is some of the analysis as to where this story was going and reasons that there's another company called Elite Diagnostics that's also listed. And yeah. anybody that's listening is not medical. Both of them are x-ray places. So it's... Yeah. Uh, it's like a comparing, although it's different, it's more apples to apples than an apple to an orange. So it, it sort of mm -hmm. some of the, and in fact, JMMB sent my father sent me something from JMMB and their analysis spoke to elite diagnostics. And and so it looking at that, I was unsure of, of the profitability, even though it seemed as if things would work out well. And, and I generally, I have a good relationship with the company. I wanted to, but I, I still never thought, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of money to invest right now, so I never pulled the trigger. <laughs> but in terms of getting that emotion out of you mentioned one of the, the as I said, qualitative factors you would look at in, to invest in a stock, which some people say you must look at a stock as a, a bit of a company. And if you look at it like that, you mm -hmm. will not do things unwise things. You will buy you will buy in the company. Is the company worthwhile in investing in? Yes. So the, the, the question to you is uh, if you can, I know you if you can simplify it, any other qualitative factor that you can point to in choosing an investment, a company. Right. right. Yeah, um, let, but I want to stick with the Apex for a minute. Yeah. If, if you have the choice to invest in Apex, you know, it, it would worth, be worth your while to line it up with Elite, as well as even G-West, even though G-West is not 100% um, X-ray and imaging. It's also partially real estate. But you want to make just look at these two and see which one, has the better growth in profitability, which one has the better return on the shareholders' equity, you know, and, you know, understanding that the whole thing about the management that may may tell you something else. You know, in other words, if, if Apex doesn't seem as, you know, good a profit-growing grow, company than, say, elite but you have great confidence in the management ability of Apex over the long run because, you know, for whatever reason, you say these are good business people. So aside from knowing about, you know, the basics of the X-ray imaging business, I know there are good business people that could sway you towards uh, Apex rather than, you know, elite. So... In any business you're going to be looking at to, to invest in, I strongly encourage everybody to, to look at who's their competition. If you're going to buy Grace Kennedy, you want to be looking at, you know, their competitors and seeing, you know, are they the best of the group? And without hands down, Grace Kennedy is the best of its competition, whatever, whoever competition there is here in Jamaica. Um, similarly with companies like, um, NCB, I think that's the superior banking company. So the point is, in addition to looking at all the basics of the company, you have to be looking at, you know, who's the competition and not look at them in isolation because they could look good in isolation, but you could find out compared to everybody else, they're not so hot. Oh, I see. So that's, that's what I would advise, you know. So, so just to compare them side by side. Right, to see who's the better company financially. The, a lot of this comes in my feet. I have to tell you, though, the, the way Google works, these things keep coming in all, all our browsers. And the, we, I don't know if this is equivalent, but these mutual fund companies, same thing when I'm on just trying to read my medical things, they'll be coming in as ads. 
Mm-hmm. Our equivalent, I, I was wondering if our equivalent would be something like a unit trust, because, for example, that company Barita, they really do very well with their marketing. They're very yes. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't consume a lot of information as much as I should from a financial mm-hmm. standpoint, but I definitely get all these notifications. So, is that is that a similar idea? Yes, it is. The unit trust is a British term that we got from the BRICS. A mutual fund is more of an American term, but they are operate almost identically. The pool of money, people, several different people putting money into a single pool that buys certain stocks and bonds and even real estate, and the profits get uh, put back into the units and increase the value of the units as the profits come in. The rents get collected, the dividends get collected, the interest gets collected. It gets credited back into the pool. And the number of people that are in the pool, you increase the value of their units to match the money that the, co- the pool made. You know, that's that's basically how it works. So if if somebody because the what it's been thrown to me, I guess they can't I don't know, they're so these the algorithms are so smart. <laughs> What's been thrown to me is that if you do not have the time to pick a Apex or Elite or, or NCB or whoever, you can just buy yes. a unit or sit on it and you will have a good result. If you just keep rolling it over, usually the result will be above average. In fact, good, better than Yeah, most. sure. But again, Ryan, in that scenario, if you're trying to pick the best unit trust where you to invest it, look at the competitors and see who's returning the best money over you know, a period. I wouldn't just stick to one. I would compare to try to find out which one suits me more. Okay. Gotcha. Some are low growth, but they have um pretty high appreciation in terms of um sorry, if they're low growth, excuse me, tend to be fixed income. If they're medium growth, tend to be fixed income and real estate. And the ones that show high growth generally tend to be more stocks and they might put in some fixed income just to even out the income. So, but the price can go down too. The ones with the stocks, the unit prices can fluctuate. So, need to be aware of that. There are quite a few companies offering them. So, I would, I would recommend get pick two or three of the big ones and just look at their historical returns. So it sounds like you, your general advice for an individual, if they want, they can try and do this themselves. It, it, in the unit trust? In the, in the, yeah, well, in general, in, in the investments, or do you recommend having a fund manager or somebody, a financial, uh, somebody, NCV, because he's my wealth advisor. I'm not sure what the term exactly is. So, so yeah. In, you, you need a, a brokerage house minimally for the fact that if you want to buy stocks on the exchange, you need a place to have the uh, registered ownership, which is the JCSD. But you can't buy directly from the JCSD. You have to go through a broker. So minimally, you need a company like that. Whether you need their advice or not is another thing. But you know, if you don't have the time to keep up with all the financial information going around, you need you need someone to help you with that. Yes. Well, if you're I, full time in you know your medical career, it's probably gonna be hard for you to keep up. You the, know, but... the, uh, I just want to well, I tell you I really I guess I need to hurry up that <laughs> Yeah I, you know it's you know what's going on, you know yes. <laughs> so uh, uh, let me hurry up here. The, Sure. I, I think my not my all my friends would give me fine about ask you this uh, recently and even uh, this is a we have a cousin of this kind of currency which is a digital currency I think we always is called mm-hmm. Jamdex and there's a difference here because ours is actually really as I understand it our currency but in yes. digital form and it's in fact not on the blockchain and you know everybody know or have the exposed to this in some way. And in fact, the whole cryptocurrency, I have some of my colleagues that are interested in that, I have some that 
because they're in the streets like myself, they're not too interested in that uh, highly risky, based on what I understand, area. And crypto, so, yes. Uh, yes, crypto in general. And so uh, how do you feel about that space generally? Should one invest, should they not, and so on? The crypto space with the blockchain, I would definitely not invest in it. It, I think it's it's a matter of time before most of those go away. The central bank digital currency that we have called Lynx, that is the central bank of Jamaica, that is quite legitimate. And that's not blockchain, that is actual Jamaican currency on a telephone. And that's your wallet in your phone. So that is really geared to the so-called low end of the market for those persons who don't normally bank anywhere. You know, the, the cash traders, the higglers, so-called higglers. And it is meant, the central bank would like to have less cash in circulation. It's safer for people not to have cash. So they're trying to encourage those who typically operate all in cash to get on this link device which is, you know, generally for the unbanked, you know. Because if you already have a bank account, say you're a factory worker and you're getting paid by the factory, most companies I know now are doing transfers from their account to your account at NCB or Scotia or wherever. So that kind of electronic movement of money is already taking place. It's it's just at the, the level below that, which is tends to be unbanked, you know. So the small the, businesses that pay in cash to their employees, etc. So to go back to the crypto, this Bitcoin, Ether, all of those, you you have of the opinion because I just give you my take. Uh, I've heard one is digital oil. I said, well, I don't buy oil, and the other is digital gold. I said, I don't buy gold. I wear gold. <laughs> I don't have any right now. <laughs> so I said, I'm obstinate. I said, but I mean, I'm just giving you the truth. And yeah. the scarcity and the so there is uh it doesn't do anything. That's really the common or the the crypto bears. I guess I'm a crypto bear because I would agree with that. I don't it doesn't do anything, it doesn't earn. And they give examples so you buy a business, the business is like an NCB, the business is making money every year, and then yes. things happen and more money is made and more investment. The crypto is or in this case to just use the currency, which I suppose we should distinguish, and I guess I should ask you this. There's something called these NFTs, which is a form of digital art. What about that aspect of it, of Web3? Do you have any view on that? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think NFTs, to me, are like investing in art. If you have a nice piece of artwork from Barry Watson, for example, it, it can go up in value over time because there's nothing else like it. And it's, you know, it's um very, some people find it very pleasing to have that high quality piece of art. So I think it's more like that. It's not, it is for collectors. I don't think it's for, I, I don't think it's, it can be a good investment. But the question is, that's based on blockchain also, right? Yes. And my fundamental problem with the blockchain is that, in gold, there's a fixed quantity of gold in the world that we know about, you know. And nobody can create more gold to come in and, you know, dilute the, the, the um, selling price of gold because of a fixed amount. Whereas with the blockchain, even though they tell you that the system is locked, so there's only a fixed amount of um, Bitcoin in the world, and I've heard from other people, I'm just afraid somewhere down the line, somebody else is going to crack this thing and be able to mint a whole lot more Bitcoin and decrease the value of all of the Bitcoin, you know, that's available. Yes. That could, so that's what I'm afraid of with Bitcoin, yes. with blockchain. Yeah. And I think the same thing can happen to the NFT also. Yeah, and that, that is, this is the point. And also the, there's a... So the Ethereum network, so there's another network where Ether and these other coins can be made and you can make, we can make the David one coin and we can make the Ryan coin and, and 
because of that, they have all of these charlatans and all of these individuals that perhaps looking to really make money and it, it only and they don't wish you well and don't mean well in my opinion so and it it's certainly that aspect of it although they say a lot of them will go to zero which a lot of them have yes. it, it at this time it's so immature i know people say getting on it early well getting it early and losing money early i don't know <laughs> it's, it's Certainly, there are aspects of it. Yes. When we mentioned the NFTs, I must say, I don't, I like art. I enjoy consuming art or looking at art. I enjoy, I suppose, watching uh, movies. That's a form of art. But I don't collect art. So you have to look at what you do. Now, that's not to say that myself or anybody can gain knowledge because that's another, that seems as if this is what I've seen. You have to gain a lot of knowledge as to what is a good, they call it a mint, what is a good, you know, there's there's one that has, what's it called, board board ape yacht club. So it's really literally pictures of apes. I don't know. I don't know mm. how it came popular. So that's, I, that's a very, never heard of that. Yeah, so anyway, it's a, it's a very interesting novel thing, but I don't know if I, and then it's so expensive. There doesn't mm. aspect. So yeah, oh, it, it's all it's all very interesting, and I was mentioning all of this because it's again this is very popular based on what comes in my Google you, my Google feed. So, but in in summary, for you, Web three is unknown and the crypto space for right now. But the Jamdex and using these link wallets and that is fine. Yeah, yeah the link yeah. wallet is fine. The central bank. And I think a lot more central banks are planning to have digital currency like the Bank of Jamaica. You know, that's the only digital currency I would even, you know, toy with the, the central bank issued digital currency. There's one little drawback with the central bank system. For those of us who don't necessarily want all of our financial activities tracked, every single move you make with that central bank digital currency is going to be tracked. So whoever you transact it with, what that person does with the money afterwards, etc., is all, all tracked all the way. So for those of us who, you know, want to be somewhere who don't prefer you know, all their financial moves to be known for whatever reason, whether they want to make sure they can pay, minimize their taxes or for other reasons, that, that would be one of the things that um, they should be aware of with the links currency. Gotcha. So, well, I, I think I'm kept it long. I think I just have a couple more here, David. Sure. Re- recently, and this is not directly related to this, but I think the Minister of Finance had access some funds to assist us with our economy, and the economy in my, you know very very limited understanding it seems to be doing okay or fair to fine and mm-hmm. so what do you think of that move and where and how do you think we're doing in terms of the economy and yeah and further that how would you <clears throat> help or fix or improve what we're doing or what the minister is doing presently all right good the economy, I think, is doing fairly well, compared, especially compared to where we were last, during COVID. I don't think it's quite back to the 2019 scenario yet, but we're certainly much better than during COVID. Um, I think the, the one little cloudy spot in the economy is the central bank is raising interest rates. So it has affected borrowing rates for some customers. And uh, it has affected mortgage rates, you know, slightly. So if they keep raising interest rates, which they they held firm in the last meeting, they didn't raise again, but they still could in the future, it could slow down the economy because everything from, you know, the buying a house, buying a car, Business investing to expand going to get more expensive if they keep doing that. But for right now, I think we're we're doing quite well, and tourism especially is already back to twenty nineteen level and above. 
Could you elaborate on that that point with the central bank as to why? Because why they're raising rates? But why it why it has a negative impact? In the... Oh, because it's going to affect the price of any kind of credit. If you go to buy a car and you're borrowing money to buy it, it's going to cost you more because the interest rate on the car loan is going to be higher. If you're going to get a mortgage to buy a house, chances are the interest rate on the mortgage now is higher than when it was when the central bank hadn't increased those rates. And if you're going to be buying, um, you know, furniture on on credit from courts, the interest rate could be higher. Um, so on. So it's going to reduce demand because if the price of anything goes up, you're going to have less consumption of it. So if people start consuming less cars and buying less houses, etc., it's going to mean that the construction company that is building the houses may lay off some of their staff if they're selling less houses. The mortgage company may lay off some people working in the in the bank because we don't have as much mortgage business anymore. So that so that can cause unemployment if those borrowing rates for those things keep going up. And if those people who get unemployed are not consuming all the services they used to consume, the economy is going to struggle. You know, so that's why the interest rates being high is not good for the economy. And okay. businesses might might shed some employees because their cost of working capital goes up at the bank and they don't want to pay that. It, it reduces their profits if they keep borrowing like that. So that's why it's bad for the economy. And the central but, bank did this for what reason though? What? Because inflation was getting high. Exactly. And the it's and the only way to deal with that from the central bank point of view is to force people to reduce their demand for goods and services so that inflation can come down. You know, that's why that's the only thing that they're only reason why they're doing it. Yeah. But if I can move on to what you think we can do to improve the economy. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think for all the immediate, the short-term things, I think they're doing it right. And and I'm going to come to the IMF thing in a minute, but there's an important point I want to make. What we could be doing more of is spending more and fixing the education system. Because my information is that only 47% of our high school classes that take the CXC, only 47% pass three or more CXC. So 52% are not passing three CXCs. And what that does, is that we're not having the trained labor force to, to um, offer to the overseas investors who come investing in the call centers to say, here's people who can work in the call center because they don't hire people that have less than three CXCs. Um, so that cohort is you know going to find it hard to have employment. We're not facilitating investments both by our local entrepreneurs and the overseas investors of a trained and productive labor force. Because if if there's a 50% of them just can't find jobs in the mainstream, they're going to be into hustling. They're going to be drawn into crime. They're going to be, you know, underproductive, even with the enterprise that they do join because they're, they're harder to train. They're not as numerate and literate as they should be. So they might be prone to more accidents on the job. So the productivity is lower. So this is more of a medium-term issue. We need to fix the education system so that we're producing more literate and more numerate persons in order to fill the the job requirement, the, the labor requirements of the domestic and the international investment companies that come here trying to uh, invest in business. Uh, so without the human resources, it's going to be hard for us to, to grow as a country and lift the living standards of everybody. So education, it needs fixing. It, and, and it's not going to happen in the next three months or six months. It's a 
three to five year to longer project. And that's the reason why many politicians don't try to address it because if you put in place now a seven year program, chances are this government could be gone by the time that is completed. So they're not that motivated to fix it. It's a longer term problem, you know, education. That's one of the big ones. Okay. But back to the IMF loan, it is an insurance policy that the IMF has figured out that there are some countries now in the membership of the IMF who are doing well, but because of the Ukraine war and the impact on oil and the impact on the availability of wheat, Ukraine was a big wheat supplier, that's pushing inflation higher because the supply of wheat has gone down. So the IMF figured we don't want these companies, countries who are now doing well to suddenly get hit down the road because of the continued war and some more inflation. And we think they could get derailed by that. So let us have an emergency fund available for those countries who are now, you know, doing fairly well, but as a resilience mechanism so that if something bad happens with the economy in 12 months, they can access these funds without coming to the IMF into a program. So the important thing about this um, loan that we got is a standby loan, by the way, we haven't pulled it down yet. There is, if you have to access this emergency fund because of problems down the road, there's no conditionalities coming with the loan. Typically, when you borrow from the IMF, you, you would have to be in a program where they tell you, you need to cut spending, you need to let your exchange rate move a little bit, you need to you know, get your foreign exchange in balance, conditionalities. With this loan that we took out recently, there's no conditionalities coming with it. It is a insurance program offered by the IMF to several to many all the member countries. We're one of the first ones to jump and take the line of credit as an insurance policy. So I think it's very good. And I think it's it's not coming with any conditionalities. And if we don't need it, we don't have to draw it down. So I think it's it was a very good move for Excellent. us to do. Excellent. Yeah. So in a nutshell, that is that's what it's all about. All right. So not going back into the IMF, <laughs> so to speak. Well, I, I can't thank you enough, David. It's uh, been a good one for me, uh, one of my best. I really thank you for your time. Uh, no we problem. To, <laughs> we have to do our part two. <laughs>